Hi, we're so glad you're joining us for this episode of the Relate Podcast, where we get curious about how we relate to ourselves, God, and others. I'm Casey Sunstead, your host, and we're talking about how to make healthy, lasting change in this season called New Year, New You. On today's episode, we continue to get curious about our motivations for change, and we discuss some frameworks that will help us stay on the right path. I'm loving having Eric and Benny on this season with us, as I'm sure our listeners are too. Hi guys, welcome back. Hey Casey. Hey Casey. I'm a little congested, so forgive me if if you hear my nasally voice. We'll take you, mm. Benny, nasally or not. Oh, you guys are sweet. <laughs> Thanks for coming. Okay, so I recently came across a quote on social media that really resonated with me. It goes perfectly with our challenge to get curious about why we want to make change in the first place. And so I thought it could be fun to read it to you guys and get your take on it. Up for that? Let's do it. Oh, yeah. Okay, so this quote is from Emily McDowell, and it's called A Toast to the Old You. She says, if you feel inspired to use the new year to help you reset or change habits, great. And yet, the old you has survived every terrible day, every hard thing, every awful circumstance, and every heartbreak you've ever felt. The old you is a fighter, and that is worth celebrating. So as we talk about new year, new you, this toast to the old you got me curious. What do you guys think? I don't get it. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't even understand it. <laughs> That's a joke. Yeah, of course. There's so much to think about with that. I think the, you know, one thing that I think about for myself and I've been trained in and I work with my clients on is that we all have different parts of ourselves. So there's a part of me that shows up here to do the podcast and then there's a part of me that's a silly dad at home, and that's kind of normal. We all have different parts of our personality. And one thing we talk about is that all of our parts are welcome. Mm -hmm. So sometimes when we're trying to change, there's a part of ourself which we don't think we like, mm -hmm. but probably it's there and came up for a really good reason. So, you know, we talk about those parts that we don't like, we're trying to change. We don't have to try to, you know, expel them we just want to just do the opposite we welcome them we thank them we try to understand why they came up in the first place and so i think about that with this quote is that we don't we're not trying to discard or shame or just let go of who we were just the opposite that was a great there's probably a great purpose in why we were the way we were and now we're being called to something different and how cool is that yeah yeah i love that all your parts are welcome mm -hmm. that made me yeah, it made me feel kind of a sense of relief. Man, I love that too, Eric. I, I think when I read that quote and I think of a toast to the old you, mm. I can't help but think of, I'm I'm a hip hop guy. So I think of uh, arguably one of the greatest rappers. Uh, mm. His name is Jay-Z. And there's always this sense of celebration and swag that he have. Mm. And so anytime that him and a bunch of people would get together, it'd be like, raise your glass. And it would always be towards something that was really awesome that happened between them. And so when I when I read that, I think of, man, raising your glass to the 
to the person within you who's made it through all of the hell that you've made it through mm. in, in your entire life. Raise your glass because that person is worth celebrating. You might have been a survivor and now we're talking how can you begin to thrive, mm-hmm. but it's worth celebrating that survivor. And so that's what I think about. So thinking about Jay-Z raising a glass and saying, hey, let's toast to that person because you made it through some stuff. Benny, you got me all pumped up. Man, I'm excited. <laughs> I, I, you know, you talk about a toast. Yeah, let's celebrate. Mm. And I'm excited about it. So Thanks. Yeah. I love that. I love, too, what you said about surviving, like honoring the survival mm. and then also calling us to a new thriving. Yeah. 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 It is the idea. I mean, we've been talking about it, that idea of if you're looking to make change and move forward, it's always good to look back. Mm -hmm. And when you look back, it's looking back of look at all the things that you've made it through. Look at the ways that you are a fighter. Mm -hmm. And now let's let's work to not just be a fighter, but let's work to to begin to thrive. And so a new year always presents that opportunity. So when you're raising a toast and we're looking back to say you're a fighter yeah and let's celebrate that yeah and it, now let's also look to how you can thrive so absolutely and if i was a fighter back then and i made it through then i can keep making it through you can make it through this going forward eric you better preach man that's oh, so good yes <laughs> so good so, it's true though like reminding yourself where you've come from mm-hmm. can help us in our motivation for growth and change now absolutely i yeah. love that absolutely that's a great quote well, obviously I chose it I because I think that when I saw it, I was like, that's the spirit of what this whole podcast season is about. I bucked against that New Year's resolution piece of you're not doing it right. Do it better, mm-hmm. you know, and and I loved the part of this that we're looking back at what we've survived and honoring that person. So. Thanks for just kind of unpacking that with me. Yeah. Toast to you, Casey. Oh, for bringing yeah. that quote. Come on. <laughs> Okay, so I loved our conversation in episode three about some helpful frameworks to consider as we make our goals, Mm -hmm. make them be healthy and and kind to ourselves. And you guys, Eric tells me we've just begun to scratch the surface with this content. So Eric, assuming we and our listeners are in a place of wanting to grow, because if you are in a place where you need rest and not goals, stay there, hang out there. But if you're in a place where you want to um, make a change or grow in a in a specific area, Eric. Help us. What are some other ways we can seek that change in mm-hmm. a helpful way? That's a great question. So let me speak to. Some, I was thinking of this before we met today, and this is for the person that maybe has the same goal that keeps coming up, mm-hmm. but and I we just can't crack it. I want to talk about. There's a concept that we. Um, it really relates to systems, and there's something called first order change. And then there's second order change. That sounds kind of Star Wars ish, isn't that the first yeah, order? Well, you guys aren't that, Star Wars guys. I'm not a big Star Wars Shoot. guy. Where's my son when yeah. I need him? In my case, just stay focused. Okay, I'm sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. This is really serious. Um, <laughs> this is really serious. So, first order change is it's like that phrase where like the more things change, the more they actually stay the same. Mm-hmm. So first order change, and you know we always use the example of diets, I guess, on this podcast, which is fine. But this can really apply to much more significant or deeper issues. But it's a good kind of example to use. But if we keep going on a diet over and over and over and over again, and it's not working, then that's first order change. It's an activity, but we're not really changing. If we're honest with ourselves. But if your activity changes, why do you say we're not actually changing? 
because we're not really moving towards where we want to go. Like essentially, we're not transforming. We're not changing in a deep way where we're seeing actual um, tangible results. Mm-hmm. We might see temporary results, but we're really looking for change that's going to last. Second order change is where we try to understand what is really going on here. So second order change for that person might be, what's going on with food? Why can't I do this? Maybe they stop dieting. Maybe they join a 12-step group. Maybe they go into therapy. Maybe they talk to some friends about it. Maybe they do some journaling about it. Maybe they get a nutritionist. Now we're trying to actually change the actual underlying system. And if that's done successfully, then we can start to kind of move towards where we want to go. So that would be considered second order change, and that's that's really important. You know, this yeah. applies to for relationships. I you know I'm, sometimes I meet with people that are dating, and they seem to keep dating the same person over and over again, mm-hmm. and that's first order change. Like we're getting a new boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever the case may be, but we're but the pattern hasn't changed. Yeah. Now, if you drop out of that, you really look at your family of origin. You look at like why am I attracted to this? Yeah. Why don't I say no to this? Now we're moving towards second order change, mm-hmm. and that's always what we want to get to is the underlying system that's propagating the behavior. So could I give an example, like wondering if, if this is what you mean, Eric? Like if I talk about food, that's the big one that everybody always talks about when you talk about the new year. If I go on a diet and consistently go on a diet, start a diet, stop a diet, start a diet, stop a diet, the first order change is that's just the motion. The second order change would be what is it about food? And me beginning to look a little bit deeper to say, when I get stress, I turn to food as my coping mechanism. Mm -hmm. That is my unhealth with food. So instead of just doing the diet, it's actually beginning to look a little deeper to say, what is it about what's happening inside of me that actually makes me go to this maybe unhealthy place. Exactly. The other key concept as part of this is that f- when we're in first order change, generally there's a mentality of like, this is, I can figure this out. Mm-hmm. No, no one needs to know. And, um, you know, secrets are okay. And I'll just, I'll figure it out. Second order change essentially is I can't do this by myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm going to need help and other people have to get the full picture in order to help me. And that can be really hard. So, um, but for a lot of people, that's it. They're struggling with something by themselves in isolation or they're, you know, setting these goals. And then eventually they got to step into some community. They have to be vulnerable. They have to be honest about the struggle and they have to ask for help. Sometimes asking for help feels so hard to do, but that's what's required. And then the help can come and now we can actually change again. That's the second order change. Yeah, Eric, that makes so much sense to me. And I'm sure our listeners are identifying with what you're sharing. I wonder if they're identifying as someone who like, oh, I have made a lot of attempts at this first order. Mm-hmm. I want to change and be more second order. What's one piece of advice you would give them in how to move and get that help? Like, where should we go yeah. for that help you're talking about? Well, I mean, even when I think about our church here at Willow, the there's a few ministries. I'll just, the recover ministry so that's a great example. Just by stepping in the door of that ministry, I mean, I'm not trying to make people feel uncomfortable, but there's something about that that says I'm here because I, I want some help. Mm-hmm. That's what the ministry about people that have got certain addictive behaviors or patterns that we're just not breaking out of. And that whole, that whole room is structured for safety and that you can be vulnerable here and that you will find shared stories here and you will find help. 
So any place that's like that is key. So that this is probably why Weight Watchers is so successful, and it really does work around that. And there's other good programs too. Sure. Um, but the, it's this sense of come on in. You're not judged here. Tell us your story. Tell us why it's hard. You're going to find help here, and we're in it with you. And that is a and 12 separate recoveries, the same thing. And hopefully that's what churches can be like as we're trying to all establish deeper relationships with God. Like we want churches to be focused on second order change, not just individual studies, but like we are in this together. I love what you said, Eric, about shared stories. And I think when I know I'm not, shared stories make me feel not crazy, right? Like, oh, you've experienced this too. Mm -hmm. And that would help me. Um, hearing that other people are having similar experiences would help me feel, what would you say? Why is that helpful? Because all of our shame generally resides in secrecy. We all, me too, we all think we're the worst mm -hmm. and we're really not. And whatever it is you're struggling with, I can guarantee there's others probably nearer to you than you think that are struggling with the same thing. Yeah. But if we don't talk about it, then we are alone. And then in being alone, it feels huge. But as soon as you tell someone and then they can kind of nod and go, we get it, I get it, I struggle too, then all of a sudden it loses so much of its power. But we have to find the right place to do it and the right kind of safe people. But that's just a huge concept that's been proven over and over again. So we have, so shared stories are hugely important, but real shared stories, not just the strength-based stories, the parts where we feel weak and we feel kind of a little bit less than and something that we're struggling that and that's really powerful it's really true eric i no one's a bigger fan of the recovery ministry here at willow creek than me i love it i've gotten to join them a couple times and the work they do is so inspiring and i love that you brought that up and i'm curious you use the the word safe can you um unpack that a little bit for us as we're looking for safe people or a safe community what does that look like and what are some ways we can find safe people to share with well that's a great question and there's lots of places that we can find safe people sometimes our family is safe people sometimes not though Sometimes we can have friends. Sometimes we can have uh, groups, support groups. We can have spiritual groups. Sometimes it's the section of our church. It could be a lot of things. But the main thing about being safe, and actually for everyone listening and for myself too, it's important to remember if you are the person that is receiving the information, safety means you're just going to hear me and you're going to kind of be present with me. The worst thing we can do when someone shares something really vulnerable is to try to fix it for them right away or to try to put some sort of Band-Aid on it. We just have to listen. So essentially, we're looking for safe people that can hear us and not judge it, and they will keep it protected between mm -hmm. that and what we're sharing. And where we find that, that can be all kinds of places. But it is really important that we do find that. And that's what makes us feel really connected to other human beings, when we can be vulnerable and we can talk about some of those things. Um, but the key is that when we do it, it's, we got to find places that that kind of get it. I mean, I've been asked to sit in groups, and sometimes I'm just meeting these people, and I've been asked to share something really vulnerable, and I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm like, no way. I don't know who these people are, and I'm not going to put something out there until we understand like who we are, and I know this is a safe place, and that's something that we all learn that you know, kind of connected to boundaries and the like. Yeah, I always think of, like you guys are mentioning the word safe, 
the word that comes to mind is like kindness. And as someone who loves Dan Allender, he always talks about kindness and delight. And so think of who's, who's that safe person in my life who, when I share this goal, when I share this second order thing, who's going to offer kindness and delight to me. I, I already feel some shame because I've been holding this, uh, this secret all by myself, but now I'm bringing it to you and I'm stepping out of my shame and I'm wondering who's that person who's going to offer me kindness and delight and ultimately be that safe person. So that's, that's cool. words come to mind when you mention the word safe. Who's going to be kind? Yeah, thanks, Benny. And even as you reflect, I hear you saying somebody who's going to make space for me. Yeah. Mm. You know, there's so often a, a competition, a one-up, like, oh, I've experienced that, but oh my gosh, way worse than you. Way worse, <laughs> yeah. Or comparing their story to my, you know, yeah. just like, yeah, yeah I've, no, I, I just need you to hear me, be present with me. Yeah. Know, so. Yeah. There's a lot of things that we do and they instinctively, we think they're okay, but they actually really are not helpful, you know? So if we try to be like, well, at least this is going on, that's not a helpful response. Yeah. Or, oh yeah, me too. That's not really helpful either. You know, we're trying to put a silver lining on it. Yeah. Sometimes we just need to listen and create the space and then just in our hearts, just show love towards that person in that moment. Okay. So we've talked a lot about our motivations, like what's behind our change and what's a helpful motivation and what isn't. Is there anything else we should consider when it comes to our motivation, Eric? So another big concept is this whole thing of uh, our motivation is pain. And this is going to sound so simplistic but there's so much truth in it. Very, and we talked this too in an earlier episode where the actual the decision to change happens actually quite quickly. It just may take months to get there. Hmm. And what it is is finally the pain of where we're at has overcome the pain of having to get to the new place. Hmm. And um, it's like a little bit like a fulcrum. It's like the pain of staying where I'm at versus the pain of change. And at some point, something's got to happen to really tilt that towards the forward movement. And this is where, you know, not to sound like a martyr here, but pain is sometimes a gift. We're so afraid of it. But if I look back over my life, a lot of the significant changes I made was because I was in pain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The worst place to be for me and for a lot of, say, you know, maybe other people in recovery or whatnot is kind of kind of in kind of out and now you're like in like that no man's land and that is a bad not fun place to be like it's uh the amount of pain is small enough that you can still endure it right yeah and you know sometimes and i'm so be careful people when you ask me to pray for you because sometimes i have friends come and they go boy this is really tough please pray that it gets better and I literally kind of pray, I hope it gets worse, because you have to change. I'm so awful. No. <laughs> Don't ask me to pray for you, because You're there's no guarantees. I mean, but truly. And so sometimes, like, I'm grateful for the pain, because it's going to get me to do something different. And that's yeah. why, so again, I always kind of go back to, say, like, addictions and recovery. But the first step is, is uh, we really get to that place, and I'm powerless. And that can take a long time, but that's a that's a powerful place to be to realize, man, I this I can't do this anymore. And we had a speaker once at our church that said, you know, one way that she views God is gift of desperation. Mm-hmm. Truly, sometimes desperation is a gift from God, mm-hmm. from God, because it's going to get you to change. So we don't want to be afraid of that. Pain can be a great motivator if we take action because of it. 
Yeah, that's so interesting because I often, so far as we've had this conversation about our motivators for change, I think like the the good words go in the good motivator category and the bad words like shame and comparison go in the bad motivator category, right? But when you say pain, I think bad and I want it to go in the bad, but I hear you saying, of course, just like if I'm a tiny little kid and I put my hand on a hot surface, I'm going to pull it away quickly because I want the pain I'm going to change my behavior because I want the pain to go away. Mm-hmm. So, so interesting to think about pain as a good motivator. Yeah. Initial motivator. You know, it's kind of like, it, it's like those, like, maybe like an, I'm not even a car guy, but I'm thinking like nitro boost for a car. Pain gets us going. And yeah. hopefully once we're going, it's the vision of the future and the and the uh, benefits we're deriving that keep us going. But yeah. sometimes pain is the kickstart. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah, paying attention to pain. Think about a pain in your knee. Mm-hmm. Like you have something going on in your knee, and the pain in your knee, it gets so intense that it's going to force you to actually go to a doctor mm-hmm. and go check it out and see what it is. So, yeah, it's that kickstart of like this pain is so great. I can't ice it or stand it anymore. I need to go and take some some more drastic steps to figure out what it is. But at first, you can ignore it. You kind of ignore it. I, I'll take a, a an aspirin or something just get rid of it you know for a little while maybe throw some ice maybe put a bandage on it but if the p- pain persists if it continues to increase yeah i need to go do something about it yeah it's so interesting too eric that you brought in spirituality talking about pain because again i i think often we will <laughs> you're praying for people to be in more pain but <laughs> well, I, not directly but i'm exactly you know what i'm saying i do and i actually think it's a kind thing to do it does feel counterintuitive but it isn't it feels like the kind thing to do because your ultimate goal is for that that change that freedom that will come benny i'd love to hear what you think about pain as a tool that god uses i think a lot of times we we pray and we think we ask we invite god in to relieve our pain and i think he oftentimes will do that but um what do you think about god using pain to create change in our lives yeah i you know the first thing you mentioned that i feel it in my heart that god can use anything that he wants to and we think of even the scripture that's found uh, in Romans, where all things work together for the good, like God works all things together for our good. Mm. And so God will even use what seemingly is a negative and a bad thing, pain, hardships for our good. And I really think he allows it. I mean, you think about a good parent. I know we have a lot of parents listening. You think as a good parent, you see your kid and uh, your kid uh, maybe uh struggling or there's something happening They're they're needing to wrestle with school they're needing to figure out how to do this project they need to figure out something and it's easy for you to just swoop in and change it for them mm-hmm. but sometimes you as a good parent want to allow them to experience the hardship the difficulty the fight uh, that comes with figuring out that problem for school just for for a number of reasons one being that they understand that hey you can do this mm-hmm. And two, being so that you can show them you're not alone. I'm here with you. I'm not going to change this for you. I'm not going to fix it for you, but I'm going to be right here with you as you walk through this. And I really think God a lot of times uses pain to prove, one, that, hey, you're a fighter. You're Mm -hmm. strong. Mm -hmm. And two, to prove that he's with you. 
that's one of the most essential promise in all of scripture is that God would never leave us or forsake us, but he would be with us in it. And so sometimes I think uh, he uses pain to show us that he's with us. He's actually right there in it with us, walking through it with us. So, Benny, bring in the word. Man. Seriously, thank you so much because... I love the way you paint um, God's love for us and the way that, and, and even his power to be able to use anything. Anything. Something that really resonated with me when you said it, because as a parent, I was just yesterday having a conversation about it. It's so hard to not rescue our kids from pain because yeah. I could rescue all day long, but I see the benefit on the other side. If I let them kind of struggle, kind of yeah. feel the pain, I see the benefit. But something that really struck me that I don't think we hear a lot is also letting your kids feel that pain shows them that you believe that they can do it. They can do it. Yeah. And it's actually an encouragement to them. Like, you don't need me to rescue you. You got this. Yeah. I love that that second part of that too. Yeah. yeah. It shows them and we get to offer again that kindness to our kids of that you can do this. Like you can you can yeah. actually make it through this. So Eric, what is it about pain that you know, you can like feel the exact moment when it shifts from being pain that you can endure to pain that you need to make a change. Boy, that that's all. It's a, uh, that's so related to our tolerance levels. Some of us, some of us have extremely high tolerance for pain. A lot of times because we had to adapt mm -hmm. that way growing up. Yeah. And um, it can feel like resilience, but it's working against us. So. You know, that's, everyone's got to go on an inner journey with that. Sometimes we're tolerating a lot and we really shouldn't. And there's no badge of honor uh, with that. I think that's really interesting to think about. Let's all get a little curious about where are we feeling pain? And is it the kind of pain that is just comes with life and we should endure it? Or is our pain inviting us to a change? Yeah. I wonder if, w is it fair to say that maybe pain always involves it? Uh, invokes an invitation like anytime you feel pain there's that natural inclination of I just put it to the side I'm not really ready but every time there is pain there is an invitation there and it's worth us paying attention to what is this pain inviting us to is mm -hmm. that fair to to say yeah I, th I think so I think or that word that we use a lot in this podcast is just being curious yeah so when we experience pain, and even when we experience any emotions, our, our body's trying to communicate to us. And what we are conditioned to do sometimes is just somehow numb it or ignore it. And we shouldn't do that. We should be aware of it and let pain teach us and guide us, just like we should let our emotions do that. I think the other thing around pain is, you know, a lot of our pain is actually just emotional. I shouldn't say just, because that can feel deeply hard. But if we can just take a step back, we're going to get through it. So, so much, a lot of times, it's, the change itself isn't hard. Is Can you just, can you weather your emotions until it gets better? Can you weather the withdrawal, whatever that's going to take? It can feel like it's so, just impossible, but it's really, it's almost like an inner game with a lot of this. You just have to be able to understand that this too shall pass, but can I hang in there until it begins to pass? Yeah. Kind of like what Benny was saying, can we look at when we're in pain as... I have what it takes to get through this mm -hmm. almost as an encouragement to ourselves, mm -hmm. kind of a mantra for us yeah. while we're in our pain. Yeah. Thanks guys. So interesting to think about pain as a motivator, as we consider what God might be calling us to for this next season of considering what change might be our right next step.
So as you know, on the Relate podcast, we'll leave you with some discussion questions. We invite you to reflect on the conversation and consider how it intersects with your experience. But we think you'll gain even more insight if you will grab a good friend and discuss and share what you learned over coffee or, you know, tea or ice cream. I'll leave you with some discussion questions and a little bit of time to reflect. Question one, what was your initial response to Emily McDowell's toast to the old you? When you look back at the old you, do you feel more like celebrating that person or more like correcting him or her? Question two, do you feel that inviting people into your growth and change would help you be more successful in making the change last? What steps can you take this week to invite people into your process? Question three, think about a time in your life when pain motivated you to act in a new and different way. Is there a place in your life right now where the pain feels scarier than making a change? Question four, or the opposite. Is there a place in your life when making a change is more painful than staying the same? Would you be open to inviting others into your process in order to gain insight and support? Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Relate Podcast. We hope getting curious about your motivations and your next area of growth has helped you make kind to you goals. I'd love to hear any impressions you have had while you've joined our conversation. I invite you to find us on social media and share with us there or email me at relate at willowcreek.org. Your stories help me to know what's connecting to our listeners and make the Relate podcast more like a conversation you want to be a part of. We would love to hear from you.